can tell this organization is committed to winning. The Broncos, they do have incredible fans that love this team, and I'm glad to be a part of it. Another takeaway for this Denver defense, and 58 is right in the middle of all of it. Wow! Touchdown, Denver! Unbelievable! Oh my goodness, what a play! Well, just when you thought there wouldn't be any coaching changes and things would be all quiet on the Broncos' front during the offseason, what do you know? We have a coaching change. Hello, everyone. Welcome inside Mile High Magic, episode number 36. Alongside my partner, Nikki Javala, I am Michael Spencer. Glad to be with you. Nikki, the news coming down on Sunday, just less than two weeks after Vic Fangio said he expected all three of his coordinators to be back next year. He makes the decision to fire Rich Scangarello. Uh, Pat Shermer going to be the next Broncos offensive coordinator. That news, uh, not official just yet, but will become official uh, here in the coming days. Let's start with Rich Scangarello and the decision to move on after just one year of Rich as the offensive coordinator. What do you make of the move? I was a little bit surprised. I mean, everybody looks at the statistics of the offense, and obviously they're not good, you know, near the, the bottom of the league in every major category, but... Um, you know, he's a first year coordinator. He gets one season and then he's out. Uh, I, I thought he would have a little bit more time. And especially with the franchise that has changed coordinators or coaches literally annually. Um, <laughs> it's an annual I, off season tradition exactly. for the Broncos. <laughs> I mean, last February at the combine, John Elway was stressing the need for continuity and how, if they made any changes, he would talk to Vic about keeping it internal. So there would be some sort of seamless change, but lo and behold, we're in the same spot. This is five years, five different coordinators. I mean, every player on that offense has had a different coordinator every year that they've been with the Broncos. It's unbelievable. Um, So, yeah, they have one of the youngest offenses in the league, and now they're going to change systems completely, but this is the direction Vic wanted to go, so we're here. I've always thought offensive continuity was overrated. To be honest, you know what I mean. I no, I'm kidding. Yeah, like, I'm I'm, yeah. I'm totally kidding. I can I, mean, I can tell by your face like, you thought I was serious. No, offensive continuity is really really especially important. Especially when you got 23 year olds coming out of spread offenses and just learning, you know, the one system, and now you got to change it completely. I mean, it's just to me, it's it's silly, and you know, I, I think it's kind of no wonder that the Broncos have been in the situation they've been. They keep changing. Nothing lasts long enough for anybody to to develop. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, as great as he is, he did sit out almost a full year, and he's had the same coach and system they've built around him. That has never happened here, ever. And look at what they're yeah, doing. exactly. Right? It seemed to be work, it was you know, working out I mean, quite well for them. Not only are you changing offensive systems and offensive coaches, you're changing quarterbacks. So, I mean, we've talked all along about how this offense can't be good unless they get some consistent quarterback play. You finally feel like they have a quarterback they can rely on heading into 2020, and then they go and change the offensive coordinator. It just it makes no sense. And, Nikki, I can't help but feel like they did Rich Scangarello dirty, right? Yeah. Like, I, I get that Pat Shermer is, is the guy that Vic Fangio really wanted. I, I get that. I understand that part of making the move, but I don't think the Broncos can sit here and honestly say that they gave Rich Scangarello every opportunity to, to succeed based on what he had to work with. Like I think back to Vance Joseph and when Vance was uh, retained after his first year, 
John Elway sat there and he said something to the effect of, we didn't feel like we gave Vance a full deck, right? And that was part of the reason why we were keeping him. Well, I don't think if John Elway's being honest that he can look and say, we gave Rich Scangarello a full deck to play with this season, considering that he had three different quarterbacks in the same year, two of whom had never even taken a snap in the NFL, one of whom definitely did not fit his system in Joe Flacco. Um, So I don't think that they can honestly say that they gave him a fair shake. Now, life is not fair. That is life in the NFL. But when I look at the numbers, they're not great. 28th in points out of 32. 28th in total yards, 28th in passing yards, 30th in third downs. But I think it's also unfair to put all of that on Rich Gangarell. Absolutely. Absolutely. I... I there was obviously more disagreement behind the scenes. Um, and you could see it throughout the year. I mean, Emmanuel Sanders called out the play calling. Joe Flacco called out the play calling. Vic basically threw Rich Gangarello under the bus on that uh, decision to go deep to Cortland Sutton that drew the P.I. call. Uh, what game was that? That was uh, the Chargers, I think. Yeah, yeah, late in the season, they ended up winning Yeah, on a so field goal the, thanks to the P.I. There yeah. was obvious disagreement, philosophical, um, at least, maybe more. Um, so they definitely weren't on the same page. But again, it does not all fall on Rich Gangarello. Um, and not to knock the new coordinator coming in, but it's not like his numbers have blown away anybody. I mean, his his record as an offensive play caller is 43-79. and 79. That's holy goodness. His one right. <laughs> his <laughs> his one winning season was that great season with the Vikings in 2017 when he was voted assistant coach of the year um, by the PFWA. He had everything there. You know, I think, you know, this is, again, not to discredit what he did because I, I think he can be a very fine play caller when he has all the pieces. Um, but I, I do think Rich could have been the same. You know, they had uh, a revamped offensive line. They had the best receiving core in the league. They had a heck of a run game and a mobile quarterback. I mean. Somebody earlier this week tweeted out the the list of quarterbacks that he's worked with. You know, and it was like Sam Bradford and Nick Foles and Case Keenum mm-hmm. and Daniel Jones. And I'm like, oh, that's supposed to get yeah, us excited? Yeah. Like, that's supposed to get Broncos country pumped up about Pat Shermer and kind of explain why why they made this move? Now, look, I, I get it. He's a veteran guy. As you mentioned, there were clearly some issues. But the Broncos better hope they're right on this. Mm-hmm. Because if they're not, this is going to set them back yet again. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think all of us would have loved to have seen what Rich Gangarello and Drew Locke could do together in their second year, especially given the fact that they went out and won four or five games. Now, they didn't light up the scoreboard. I get that. I mean, they did occasionally, but putting up 16 points against Oakland in the season finale isn't necessarily a sign of of great things to come. But I would have loved to have seen what would have happened had they given him more time to develop in Rich Gangarello, had they given him more time to work with Drew Locke. Now, they got to be willing to commit to Pat Shermer for a second year. In my mind, you don't make this hire expecting it to be a one-year deal, and you can't move on. At, at this point, like you're almost tied down and you got to hope that he's not going to get another head coaching offer after yeah. one year too. And that he doesn't decide to leave. Um, because if he does, then you're right back in the same boat. I mean, we're talking about five offensive coordinators in five years. And if this one doesn't work out, then it would be six in six years. So they have got to be patient with this. They have got to hope that 
he doesn't blow everybody away. And then all of a sudden somebody comes calling with a head coaching gig because they cannot continue this model. It simply does not work. Yeah. Now he had, from what I was told, he had six options on the table. Um, and he, he chose Denver largely because of the autonomy he could have over the offense. You know, you have a defensive head coach. He could basically have complete, you know, purview over the offense. And partly because of Drew Locke. He really likes Drew Locke. Um, scouted him heavily ahead of the draft. His quarterback's coach in New York, Mike Shula, who – who knows? Maybe he ends up here too. Um, was mm-hmm. at his pro day and talked to him quite a bit there. Had him out for a top thirty visit, so he liked both pieces of that. But again, this is a guy that was coveted, and you got to. And the John Elway era, there has never been an offensive coordinator to last more than two seasons. Mike McCoy had four seasons all told, but two of them were before John Elway came in. So they well, don't forget about offensive coordinator Peyton Manning. He was here. Ah, uh, yes, years. yes, that's yes. <laughs> <laughs> but again, this I, I feel like the last four years have been one big reminder that Peyton Manning, even when he's not physically in his prime, is such a smart quarterback. He can mask so many deficiencies, be it in the line, be it in the coaching staff, be it talent across the offense. I mean, the numbers they put up were atrocious, and he was, you know helped tremendously obviously by the defense that year but even a Peyton Manning at 60 percent is a lot better than you know a lot of the quarterbacks they've tried over the last four years and I think a lot of people are realizing that um so yeah this is uh, to me this is a big risk to I I don't know if the Broncos view it as that because they change every year it's just Another change, but this is, in my mind, the most important offseason in John Elway's career as an executive. I mean, he's got two... And and he said as much. Yeah, he's got two years left you know? on his deal. They're coming off three consecutive losing seasons. If they don't get it right this year, I mean, it's... I don't know what that says about the state of the franchise, especially with no owner at the top, but that's, that's another podcast. And, and so with... <laughs> Right. Well, yeah, that's another couple of podcasts, I think. But with with that being said, it seems as if they felt more comfortable, if you will, pushing all their chips to the middle of the table with Pat Shermer as their offensive coordinator than they did with Rich Gangarello as their offensive coordinator. And to that to that extent, okay, I can I can kind of get behind that because they feel like they would go with with the proven guy. But again, I think you're right. They got to be right. Yeah. You know, they can't afford to to mess this one up, or it is going to just set them back even further. Yeah, I mean, the one benefit the Broncos have is he's. I mean, they're getting helped quite a bit by the Giants because he had three years left on his deal. So with mm-hmm. offsets, they're paying a good chunk of his salary. Um, but you know, it's again, you know, no dis- discrediting Pat Shermer, but it's not like you know what he's done over the years has really blown anybody away to the point where you're like, oh, yeah, I got to have him. I mean, even last year, his play calling took considerable heat to the point where people were asking him if he was going to stop play calling and just focus on being a head coach. Um, So we'll see. Hopefully it it works out. Uh, It feels like this team finally has some momentum going into a season, some hope. But they have uh, a lot of 
questions that need answering still. As long as he doesn't come out and call a tight end sweep on the first play of the season. No, but we'll have a lot of tight end screens. So (laughs) He will already have a higher bar than Rich. We're going to have a lot of three wide, a lot of tight end screens. Yeah, it's going to be great. Um, I'm sure Noah Fant is looking forward to that. Oh, yes. um, As as he should be. Um, meanwhile, have you been following uh, the playoffs? It's so it's much more fun when you can watch as a fan. At least it is to me. Yeah, well, especially when you're looking at what the Chiefs are doing. And you mentioned Patrick Mahomes. And, like, that continuity, they're hanging 51. Being down 24 nothing is, like, no big deal. Like, you want to talk about the, the, the offense that you want to be. The other thing that said to me, Nikki, was, wow, the Broncos are way far behind the oh, Chiefs. Oh, yeah. Like, in terms oh, yeah. of the race for the AFC West, they are not even in the same stratosphere as the Chiefs. No, are. I know. And I think there's that's where some hope with Shermer comes in because he learned under Andy Reid. That was the first head coach he worked with in the NFL, and he can mix some spread concepts, a little bit of North Turner's offense in there, but it's going to take a while. It's not going to happen overnight, and the more they change, the longer it's going to take in my mind. But... Um, Got two games this weekend. Who you got? Uh, I like the 49ers and I like the Chiefs. I think that will be. I, I could see. I could see the Packers pulling the upset, uh, but it's hard for me to to bet against the 49ers right now, given what they've been able to do. And what a cool story that would be for for Kyle right. uh, Shanahan and for Mike Shanahan. And so I think there's a lot of people in Broncos country who are pulling for the 49ers, and there's a lot of people in Broncos country who are sitting there wondering what could have been had the Broncos hired Kyle Shanahan a couple oh, yeah, years ago. Oh yeah, that'll never die down. And instead. Yeah, that was never going to happen, though. That was that interview was kind of a farce. We all know that. But um, yeah, that'll come up quite a bit. Can you believe it's conference championship week? I'm curious to see if the Titans can pull off another upset against the Chiefs. But time's up for two of the teams playing this weekend. But you still have time to feed your fantasy fix with DraftKings, the leader in one day fantasy football. Draft your lineup and feel the sweat like never before. Every run, throw, and catch mean more with a DraftKings lineup on the line. It's simple. Just draft your lineup, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Nothing adds to the sweat of watching the game quite like having a free shot at more than $750,000 with your first deposit. Plus, for a limited time, all new and existing users can get a deposit bonus of up to $500. That's some extra cash to play with throughout the playoffs. Download the DraftKings app now and use the code RUN, that's R-U-N, for a limited time. Both new and existing users can get a deposit bonus up to $500 on your next deposit. New users, be sure to enter code RUN during sign-up, and you'll also get a free shot at over $750,000 with your first deposit. That's code RUN, and you can get a deposit bonus up to $500 only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Deposit bonus requires a 25-time playthrough. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Hey, you and I had a really cool opportunity earlier today. Uh, we had the opportunity to chat with uh, Adam Gotsis. A lot going on uh, with Adam. Obviously, he's a, a free agent. Um, but more importantly than that, he has a new initiative going to help his home country uh, of Australia. And uh, obviously, we all know what's been going on there with the bushfires and how they have impacted the people and the wildlife there in that country. And so uh, we had a chance to, to catch up with him earlier today. And uh, let's play a little bit of that conversation. All right, Adam. Uh, first things first. Congratulations, the newest member of the Fatherhood Club on the Broncos. What does it feel like? 
Yes, it's an uh, amazing feeling. Um, you know, it's, it's so hard to describe everyone. You know, you try and describe it, but, uh, you know, it's, it's unreal, um, you know, to see someone you love go through that and then all of a sudden, you know, you've got a, either a son or a daughter on the other end. Um, is absolutely amazing. So, you know, it's an un- unreal feeling. Um, can't really even put it into words. So, yeah, just loving it, loving life. Which one of your teammates has given you the best advice about being a father, and which one of your teammates has given you the worst advice? Um, best advice, I'd probably say uh, Kyle Pecco. Um, you know, he came with me as a rookie, uh, you know, four years ago, and he already had a, had a little kid at that time, so we were always talking about kids and stuff then, and now he's back, you know, full circle, and it's funny, this time around, I'm the one with the little kids, so he's kind of just been, uh, you know, giving me a bit of advice here and there. Um, you know, he's been super supportive and everything since, you know, kind of the news of uh, Old Kid came out. But um, worst advice, probably all the guys in the D-line room that have kids, <laughs> <laughs> including Kyle. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, nah, nah, all the boys in the D-line room have been uh, super supportive and, uh, you know, offering all the support, help, uh, any little things, you know, whether it's a, you know, a phone number for a nanny or whatever it is, um, you know, there are any any little advice is welcomed, I'm sure. So, <laughs> yeah, That's just loving right. it. Tell us how you settled on the name and how you pronounce it because it's a really interesting name. I love yeah, it. It's uh, Elias, and uh, it's basically, it's my dad's um name uh it's greek for lewis um basically you know i'm I'm greek and that's kind of my heritage and pretty we're, we're pretty traditional in terms of that stuff so uh you know i wanted to keep my dad's name in the family so uh you know and the plan is hopefully my son will then carry my name um or his son will carry my name um and we kind of keep it in the family that way his middle name's ray uh that's my partner's her dad's middle name so Wanted to have a little something from both sides in there, and then uh, you know, hope the got his last name. So hopefully, you know, he can you know live up to some of that, and you know, he's born into a great family, and going to have lots of uh, uncles and aunties, and you know, grandparents around helping him out. So yeah, super excited to uh, welcome this little little bundle of joy into our life. Adam, which family member is going to spoil him the most? <laughs> I think uh, my younger twin sister that's here. Um, at the moment, uh, Lenny, uh, she's been, you know, awesome helping us out so far. She's been here for about a month or two so far. Um, you know, before the baby, it was helping me out, you know, rehabbing this ACL and just getting getting around with the ACL. And then, uh, you know, now that we've got the baby here, she's been awesome, hands-on, being a good uh, aunt. And, you know, uh, she's, she's unreal. She's been taking care of us all. So uh, I, I could probably see her, you know, doing the most. Uh, she's already done the most. So, uh but my, my whole family is so, super excited to meet this little guy, and, you know, they're all going to spoil him. And uh, he's the first grandson on both sides. Um, so, it's, uh, yeah, he's definitely going to, you know, get a lot of love in from people. I would imagine <laughs> having a, a new baby while slightly immobile is a bit difficult, right? Yeah, it is. You know, so it's, it's, it, it really has been a blessing to have my sister here. You know, I've been, I'm still on crutches and stuff, so a lot of it is, you know, just me sitting around, you know, changing diapers when I can, birth and doing all the little stuff. But, uh, you know, she's been incredibly helpful, uh, you know, with helping out with cooking in the house, you know, just general stuff like that, getting us around, looking after, 
you know, my partner as well, you know, the recovery from giving birth and, you know, just having extra hands on the baby is good as well, just having someone else there to help out. So, uh, you know, it's been awesome, but definitely a challenge being uh, a little crippled and <laughs> having a newborn in the house. It's a, it's a bit tough. Mm-hmm. Adam, where are you in the in the rehab process? Yeah, so I'm about uh, five weeks out, four weeks out now. So uh, it's starting to feel really good, um, you know, starting to elevate uh, the process a bit now and, you know, going to be up and moving a bit more. Um Kind of was just on the training table, just doing a lot of the strengthening and range of motion stuff again. But uh, I feel great. You know, this is the second time I'm going through it. And, you know, I saw Chubb earlier in the year when it happened to him. He kind of said the same thing. You know, uh, second time through, you're a bit more, you know, prepared for it. From a mental standpoint as well, you're a bit more prepared for it. And uh, I kind of didn't know what that feeling was, but now I do, you know, and that's exactly how I feel. I feel like, you know, this time around, it's, a hundred times easier, you know, I don't feel the the pressure on my shoulders like kind of the first time around to get back. You kind of just know it's going to happen in a gradual process. Uh, you have to trust it, trust it and just embrace it. You know, you kind of, you got to know you're going to have some good weeks and bad weeks where you're not feeling too hot. But uh, again, I'm, I'm feeling great um, as of now. I just want to keep working and, and getting it back. You know, my goal is to be, you know, playing this year coming up. Um, you know, no matter where it is, if it's here or somewhere else, um, that's kind of, you know, my mindset. So just doing all the little things right and uh, trying to trying to get everything ready for this year. Does this add a, a new layer of uncertainty with free agency too? Yeah, um, you know, obviously in my mind, you know, I, I hope it doesn't, you know. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, obviously it's a business and how it all works um, across the league as well. But, uh you know, I definitely feel like, you know, I'm going to be back ready to play and be back playing good football. Um, you know, I'm just happy that I'm going to finally be healthy. You know, this is something that's probably been bugging me for not just last year, from the year before when it kind of first happened and then, you know, kind of just been playing through it with a brace on. So, um, you know, to finally be healthy, finally get a full off season of, you know, not just, I guess, rehabbing the knee, but not just rehabbing it from an injury and get going back and seeing how it goes. But, uh, you know, I'm just excited for the opportunities ahead. You know, um, you never know kind of where you're going to be um, down the track or where you're going to be mentally um, down the track after going through an injury like this. But, you know, I'm excited. I mean, I'm, I'm excited to bounce back. It's, you know, going to come quicker than I think. And then before you know it, it's going to be training camp and preseason and all that, that fun stuff. So, yeah, I'm just super excited for it. Well, you've obviously got a lot going on with the new baby boy and the knee rehab and getting ready for free agency. But I know you mentioned your your Greek heritage, but I know Australia is obviously a place that is uh, near and dear to your heart and is kind of on your mind with everything that they have been going through and all the the bushfires. Are, are your family and friends are they all okay? Yeah, so uh, you know we've been having a pretty pretty big uh, national crisis back home with the bushfires, but yeah, fortunately. You know, my family hasn't been directly affected from it. Um, you know, the closest thing to, to that is probably my sister, who's a couple of, you know, hours away from where the fires are. But, you know, just in terms of, like, air pollution and things like that, it's pretty bad. Um, you know, my sister's, I think, 36 weeks pregnant. And, uh, you know, the air pollution's just so bad that it's, like, even dangerous to have, like, little kids and stuff uh, at that time. So, you know, it's it's a... It's, uh, it's not getting any better back home, and I'm, you know, I'm hoping that uh, I've just started uh, this initiative where I'm hoping to raise a little uh, funding, little awareness back home, and uh, yeah, hopefully we can help out some of the communities back home that have been us, uh, 
really heavily affected by uh, you know these fires. Yeah, that's the green and gold, green and gold United initiative that you have going on your on your social media. Why was it important for you to to get something going like that and, and try and give back and help out to the people in your home country? Yeah, I think uh, you know being over here, we get so caught up in you know our own lives at certain times, and you know I've been you know playing the last couple of years and it's been you know pretty crazy, but uh, you know this is something that's just drawn so much attention and you know there's been such outreach for help that you know I really feel like this is something that I can sink my teeth into, get my hands on, hopefully raise some you know awareness as I said, and it's you know it's going to be from afar because I am here, but. Uh, you know, I think with my platform and the position that I that I'm in, it's a it's a great opportunity for me to do that. You know, basically the initiative initiative is uh I'm just I'm reaching out to really any anyone who's looking to donate, anyone who's looking to contribute, specifically more Australian uh, native Australian athletes over here in America that are, you know, in the professional ranks, even in the amateur ranks that might be able to donate, you know, whether it's gear, whether it's, you know, monetary donations, whatever it is, um, it's all, all the proceeds are going back home to uh, the Victorian firefighters, the New South Wales firefighters, and uh, the wildlife associations um, back home. So basically raising as much funding as we can and just, just trying to get it back into those communities because, uh, you know, there's been such terrible loss to the, to the wildlife, to the land, to the people. Um, yeah, it's, it's just been pretty crazy. What has the response been like so far just from, you know, across the league, other athletes? Yeah, super positive. Um, you know, I've reached out to a bunch of dudes that are that are willing to, you know, throw some throw some gear in with just a jersey from this season or a pair of anything, mm-hmm. you know, because uh, if we can get some people bidding on those and uh, raising some money, it, it, it's really big. But I know a lot of guys over here, you know, also want to give and want to contribute and they might not know certain avenues on how to or where to. Um, so, you know, me again, I feel like me being, you know, uh, a dude with a platform here that's, you know, a verified guy that, you know, has ties back to Australia, um, by me setting this up, it might make guys feel a bit more comfortable in where they're donating money to or their funds to. And, you know, I just want everyone to know that a hundred percent of it's all going back home. Um, you know, I'm not profiting off it. No one else is profiting off it apart from those organizations. And I think that's the, that's the really important thing is just knowing that, you know, whatever they give, it's going directly back there, and it's it's going to definitely help out. You pulled this idea together pretty quickly, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, how, how did this all come together? Yeah, I mean, I was kind of just sitting there and just seeing a lot of the posts and, you know, a lot of even friends back home um, that I'm, I'm close with that are, you know, they're, they're asking for donations or things like that, and they're going to stores buying, you know, supplies and resources and driving two, three hours into the, some of these country towns and affected areas and donating goods and things like that and you know I was sitting there and I was just kind of brainstorm about how I can kind of help out you know from afar without just you know giving money I just didn't want to do that I wanted to make it a bit more than that and you know make it a bit more of a national uh, kind of help as well so you know I wanted to get guys from over here that you know get involved as well similar to me that are kind of in that process of i'm not too sure where to where to go who to give to so uh you know i was like let me try and uh put something together and yeah i'm I'm fortunate enough that we're able to get something going where you know we've got a site that people can go on and donate to um there's going to be a silent auction that you know people can go and uh bid on items um myself i'm going to give two game jerseys two helmets and 
two super, my two Super Bowl tickets I'm going to do as well, so people can bid on those and um, try and raise some funds. But I've reached out to a bunch of guys all over, you know, the states, not just NFL players, but NHL, tennis, um, a lot of Australians just seeking uh, any any kind of donations or contributions that they're willing to give. Um, it's all greatly appreciated, not just from me, but you know, everyone back home in Australia, my friends, my family, all the people, um, it's all going back to a great cause. How can people donate if they want to yeah, so, uh, take part in this? Yeah, so they can head to uh, greenandgoldunite.org, and uh, there's a link on there to donate. There will also be a link on there which uh, takes you to the silent auction site, which is you know being uh, run through the Broncos, which is awesome by the Broncos to jump on board with that. And, yeah, basically there's going to be a bunch of fights that people can bid on, um, and then all those proceeds are going to go back uh, back home as well into those. And then, again, whatever people feel like donating, it doesn't have to be a crazy amount. I I, I did 5K and hoping, uh, you know, other athletes around, uh, you know, the States or whoever wants to donate can match that 5K. Um, but, again, uh, anyone who wants to contribute any amount, you know, any little bit significant. So, uh you know, everyone can jump on board and head to that. Or if they want to just message me, you can message me on any of my social media platforms and, you know, I'll get back to you and we'll figure out ways that you guys can contribute if you have other ideas. And, yeah, it's just uh, I think it's a really good chance to uh, get get a lot of people from um, with Australian ties and people that want uh, to help out Australia together. And, yeah, we can kind of help this uh, crisis that we're in. Certainly appreciate Adam joining us and what a great cause that he is a part of. Greenandgoldunite.org, the website, uh, if you want to help donate and, and help, obviously, a fantastic cause. And, man, I tell you what, he's got a lot going on, but uh, but obviously Australia is, is a very, very important place to him. And so we appreciate him taking the time and kind of spreading that word and spreading that message uh, with us. That being said, we are going to log off here on Mile High Magic. That will complete episode number 36. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll be back with you again soon as we uh, continue to keep tabs on everything going down at Broncos headquarters and uh, the latest involving your Denver Broncos. For my partner, Nikki Javala, I'm Michael Spencer. Thanks so much for listening to Mile High Magic.